0: This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. Facebook Design invests in building and teaching designers using the best tools for the job. I asked UX Research Manager Reggie Murphy what he's learned about design since working at Facebook. I mean, there's a lot of nuance that's involved with trying to figure out how a workflow can work for you know someone that's using a platform.
1: So it, it takes a lot of um, deep understanding of what The
0: consumer is doing what their mental model is, and trying to figure out exactly what they need so that you can design against that need. Learn more at facebook.com forward slash design. Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. This week, Fog Creek Software is looking for a design engineer for Glitch. Segment is looking for a brand designer in San Francisco. And for freelancers, Cactus Group is looking for a website designer. Check the job board for more information. We also have job listings from Indeed.com, so head to the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to apply and to search for any other listings. Don't forget to sign up for weekly job alerts, so when there are new positions added to the job board, you'll get an email so you can be the first to apply. Again, that's revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, I want to announce the winner of the $500 Amazon.com gift card from our audience survey. Now, first off, I have to thank everyone who took the survey, everyone. I mean, you know, getting that data means a lot, so I can learn more about who's listening, where y'all are located, and what you want out of Revision Path. It also helps us to get sponsors so we can keep doing Revision Path. It helps us get better guests. It helps us have other opportunities. So it's really, really helpful to me when y'all take the survey as I kind of keep Revision Path going. And for me, doing this sort of Amazon.com gift card giveaway It's just sort of my way of like thanking y'all for doing this. So I really do appreciate it. Now, the winner of the $500 amazon.com gift card is Tracy O. She She didn't want me to give her last name, but it's Tracy O. Congratulations, Tracy. And again, thank you to everyone who took the survey. I really appreciate it. Now let's talk about our sponsors, Glitch, Google Design, and MailChimp. Glitch is the friendly community where you'll build the web app of your dreams. So whether you're into design, coding, music, or art, Glitch is the right tool for you. You can start from scratch with a new project or remix any of the available projects on the website and make them your own. And if you get stuck on anything, just raise your hand and get help from the Glitch community. Get started on making something awesome today at Glitch.com. Whether it's defining a branding style in VR or creating a voice user interface that actually feels human, Google Design is committed to sharing the best design thinking from Google and beyond. Sign up for great stories, events, and the latest updates on material design at design.google forward slash newsletter. Again, that's design.google forward slash newsletter. You can also follow Google Design on Facebook, Twitter, and Google. Did you know that the number one email marketing priority is personalization? I mean, it makes sense if you think about it. You only want to hear from the people and the businesses that you like. And I have a feeling if you've got email, you've certainly been hearing from people these last few weeks about them updating privacy policies and all this stuff. But anyway, um, MailChimp makes personalization like that happen with their robust campaign builder and a host of helpful automations. It's email marketing with a personal touch. Sign up at MailChimp.com today for a free account. MailChimp. Send better email. Now for this week's interview, we're talking to Ofo Obuobi, a graphic designer currently in Pomplamoose, Mauritius. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. So my name is
1: Ofo, that's O F O, have to be precise, and I am the lead graphic designer at AOU Education in Mauritius. Yeah, that's pretty much me.
0: Tell me about ALU. So AOU
1: Education is a university that was started about three years ago with a really, really bold vision. Like it's, it's really audacious. We want to really change this narrative of Africa, this brand of Africa, through education. I mean, it, it's not finding the resources. It's not pumping money into Africa. It's, it's changing the people. And we want to um, educate billions of leaders by 2050 And so the bold mission of ALU is to plant campuses, 25 campuses across the next 50 years throughout Africa, whether it's uh, through accredited universities or other ways, just as a way to provide education in a more accessible way to people on the continent, and also ensure that we are really reaching that goal of changing the future of the continent.
0: That sounds amazing. And it started Mm -hmm. right there in Mauritius. Is that right?
1: It did not start in Mauritius, so there's actually a story behind this. So we're talking early about um, knowing about design in Johannesburg, and and, and our founder, um, his name is Fred Swanaker, coming from a completely different background in, in consulting, he used to work at McKinsey for a long time, launched ALA, which is African Leadership Academy in Johannesburg, and it's a high school with a similar mission. That's about, it's actually, they just create, uh, celebrated their 10-year anniversary. And that inspired him to continue the mission. And so he um, launched the first university in Mauritius, which has, if I'm not wrong, about 200 students by now. And a second campus has also been launched in Rwanda. And we're looking at building a new hub in in Kenya, which will not be an accredited university, but a center or a a hub for leadership and education as well.
0: I think, yeah, it's really important to have an institution like that, that sort of changes the perception of how people think about Africa. You know, as before we started recording, you know, we talked a little bit about how here in the States, the perception of Africa, I think that we've gotten, certainly I remember as I was a kid in like the eighties and the nineties was that it was all war and poverty and disease. And it feels like only maybe within the past, I don't know, maybe 15 years or so that that is really starting to change as more uh, awareness of, Different cultures within Africa, and certainly the creativity that comes out of the continent, as more yeah. of that has been shared here in the US, I think the perception is slightly, you know, kind of slightly starting to change.
1: Yeah. Can I say, it was also coming to the idea was also coming to America with, uh, what's his oh name? Oh my
0: God. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Zamunda does not the exist. School. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So what is a a typical day like for you at ALU? What kind of tasks are you doing? Extremely busy. It can feel like an
1: overload of stuff to do. But when you do take a step back and reflect on what's happening here, a day looks like interacting with a bunch of really, really, really passionate people who believe in what we're trying to do. For me, it's through design. So if I could look at what yesterday looked like, I had a meeting with a Mauritius rep- recruitment representative who needed to boost you know, some more campaigns digitally to tell some more students about what we're doing. So we met to discuss what that would look like, what her campaign would look like, how would we visually represent ourselves online to so something that was, was fun and, and would tell people about what we're doing. Today, to be perfectly honest and transparent, I've been a little bit blocked on a product I'm working on and we're looking at what uh, Fred Swanica calls launching our ALU swag or what Michael Scott calls what the stuff everyone gets, the stuff we all get, uh-huh. um, which is basically merchandise. And so I met with a fellow creative to brainstorm, you know, what concept can we come up with to make this fun and to launch like a seasonal collection where our students can really feel like they are wearing our brand and buy into the brand. You know, it's all brand building every day and in, in so many exciting um, and, and inspiring ways. Yeah. And I just came out of a meeting where we have something called design days where people from various departments share what they're working on and ask for feedback. And so we had we're gonna launch our new sort of like hub in Kenya. And we have a colleague who has been working on research, researching the market and researching what the needs are and has come up with suggestions on what kind of educational programs we could be offering. And so he presented his ideas, and we got into a discussion on, you know, how he could improve, what he could add, what he could take away. And so it's a really exciting hub, all in all, where there's a lot of innovation and exchange. And it's not really the cubicle experience or the side of the experience, but it's a lot of merging. And there are so many opportunities for you to get out of your work and interact with others and, and really learn from them and, and also contribute to them.
0: What are the challenges with designing for an educational institution like ALU?
1: With a goal that is so bold and with so much passion, sometimes things tend to need to go up really, 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 really quickly. And so sometimes we can't afford to live design the way I tend to see, talked about, like ideal, for example, you know, you have to design and then you have to research and then you have to iterate and all that is great stuff that we learn in the long term throughout the process. But the challenge sometimes, which is good and which is bad, is good because we tend to do the impossible really quickly because you know things have to go out really quickly. People have to know about this AOU to the digital campaign really quickly by next week. So as much as it might be daunting, sometimes feel like oh I have to do all of this stuff really quickly. It's great to be surrounded by people who make the impossible happen, like I, I just said. Yeah, and and who can move at such a fast pace and and get stuff done.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. You know, with like you said, that big mission. You really Mm. have to work very quickly and and not really have a bunch of time to think about those ideas. Exactly. Now, for people that are listening that may have never heard of Mauritius, can you tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about the island? It's so beautiful. I never expected in the last
1: five years that I would end up here. <laughs> it's in the middle of the Indian Ocean. So if you Google Mauritius, you'll have to zoom in and zoom in and zoom in right off the coast of Madagascar, um, which is also an island off the coast of mainland Africa. But it's part of a group of islands called the Mascarene. Um, so we are neighboring islands with Madagascar, like I just said, with Reunion Island, which is an overseas territory of France. Or you can say it's the Hawaii of France. And we also have Seychelles Island and Rodrigue. It's really beautiful. They have amazing beaches. One of the, maybe the best beaches I'll ever be to in, the, in my entire life. There's lots of spots for hiking and also a lot of outdoors and, um, and adventures. And a lot of um, water sports as well. But it's actually also a cultural melt- melting So most of these islands used to be colonies with a lot of European countries. And so there were slaves from here, from India and from Africa. And so there's there's a lot of mixing and there's a lot of dynamism, especially in Mauritius. And there's a a lot of um, strong identity with Indo-Mauritians. So we're talking about people from India and Afro-Mauritians who are the Creoles, people from Africa um, and also Franco Mauritians, which are mostly um, European Mauritians, but there's definitely a, a central, strong identity. So when we talk about diversity all over the world, you just have just one tiny melting pot, which is which is really
0: beautiful. I knew mm. that about it being a French, I think it's a former French colony, right? Isn't it what Mar- it used to be? be. Yeah. Yeah, we celebrated yeah, so independence a week ago. Oh, that's right. 50 years, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew you know some of these things. Uh, for people that are listening, uh, I was telling Ofo that back in seventh grade, I had a pen pal who uh, was in Mauritius. I think yeah, he was in Mauritius at the time. I don't know where he is now, but but yeah, I sort of had some idea of of that of kind of what the country mm. was like. I didn't know it was that much of a melting pot, though. That's really interesting.
1: It is. It is. And, and I didn't mention it earlier, but I'm originally from Ghana, which is the west on the okay. west coast of Africa. And that, for me, I think I think you mentioned we we'll talk about we're going to talk about my experience traveling. I came from a very homogeneous country; everybody is Ghanaian, or most people are Ghanaian. But then again, having the opportunity to live here, it's, it's definitely amazing to to experience that diversity all in one.
0: How do all of those cultures kind of play into what the design scene or the design culture is like in Mauritius?
1: In a lot of interesting ways. So we actually have in Mauritius a festival called Port Louis, which is in the local Creole language, referring to Port Louis, which is the, the capital city of Mauritius. And it's Port Louis by light, or, well, that was the theme when I first moved here, but it's really um, a showcase of all artists, mostly highlighting street arts from across the globe and also locally. Um, yeah, so the most I have seen personally is experience through this festival. Yeah, I, I, I can't necessarily pinpoint how the cultures have influenced specific art forms or design. But then again, and there's a lot of similarities that come from the different groups. I, I don't think I really thought of the answer really well, but that's the only example I can really give.
0: Yeah, that's called yeah. Port Louis by Light, you said?
1: Yeah, it's more Port Louis, so it's P-O-R-L-W-I, and that's how they say it and oh, write okay. it in the local Creole language, which is kind of like an offshoot of French, but it's, yeah, Port, the Port Louis Festival, if you want to say.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. Now, yeah, you are originally from Ghana, and like you said before, you have traveled a lot. Let's mm. go all the way back to kind of the early part of your education. I know that you spent some time here in the States. Is that right? You went to Mount Holyoke. That's correct. Yes, of, my alma mater. The, yeah, one of the famous uh, Seven Sisters colleges. That's right. What, that's what was right. your time
1: like there? It was amazing. I made lifelong friendships, for one, and I, for the first time in my life, was bold enough to tell my African parents, I don't care what you say, I'm studying art. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm going to do going to be an artist. I think... I mean, going off that, it was really the first time I came face to face with the expectations of who you need to be coming from the social economic background in Ghana. So I'll give you more context. I went to a private high school, not because I'm coming from a wealthy family, because my parents wanted the absolute best for me and my sisters. So they did everything possible to make that happen everyone who or most people who graduated from there went on to ivy leagues because we were picking the smartest of the crop and then they ended up on wall street mostly as consultants or ended up with the biggest consultancies you can think of in the u.s today mm-hmm. that was the expected path for me and so that meant eventually i'm going to get a green card and eventually become an american and there then i've made it but i genuinely wanted to be a creative as long as i've ever you know can remember of myself from very young and i tried so i tried to please my parents and i took the all the economics classes and all the computer science classes until i got an f and i said you know what guys that's it i'm getting all the a's on the painting and drawing classes mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that as the graphic design and photography classes so that's what i'm going to do because that's what comes to me is the, and, and and that's where i went so they were going to the states was really the first time i so our second time i i, I lived independently and was able to identify with my true self and really come out of that and, and just declare that. It was also my first encounter with racism in, in a way that was shocking. So I said earlier I was from, from a very homogeneous society. Everybody is Ghanaian. There might be different levels economically, but, you know, we're all Ghanaians and end of story. But then I came face to face with the African-American experience in the, in the U.S. and it was actually very shocking. Why were there a group of people who didn't, for lack of a better expression, weren't able to let go of of the past? And that was my initial reaction, you know. What was this thing going on? We had these, you know, forums at Mount Holyoke about race and gender, and I was like, what is all this? (laughs) You know where Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I come from? with There's no problem. There's hardly any problems. But then I think the thing with blackness for me at the time that I had to really realize was I was talking to people, I mean, who's line generation lines they can pinpoint if they drew it down on paper you know this person is in my line of family and they were on a cotton field you know yeah. i needed to it needed to hit home you know and and until it did it was a very very confusing experience and i think as an african it's very shocking but then you come to appreciate um, it eventually it can be also very difficult because then you realize i don't know if you've read or anyone listening out there has read uh, chimamanda's americana mm mm-hmm. But then then you realize, yo, I'm black. Coming from Africa, you don't realize you're black. But then you realize I'm black. And I think that actually is positive and negative. Negative because, you know, yes, I'm black. And then I may be at the bottom of the funnel or whatever. That's unfortunate. But then I'm black and I don't realize it because I'm proud where I'm coming from. I'm black and proud. I didn't know I was black, but it's an amazing thing. Hmm. Um, And there are other things to know about my blackness. So, yeah, it was a very confusing and interesting place to be and that helps you know define who i am today
0: it it sort of sounds like and and correct me if i'm wrong here but it sort of sounds like when you came here you started to see or or maybe black was kind of this american signifier of what it meant to be i guess a black person does that make any Mm -hmm. sense Mm
1: -hmm. i used to feel very offended on surveys when i was asked you know, like what's your ethnicity? So there was like African American or other, and then there was Black, and I'm like, what do you guys mean? Like, oh, <laughs> it's like it's the same thing. Like,
0: yeah, exactly. So after you, gradu- that made any sense. no, no, that makes that makes sense. So after you graduated yeah. from Mount Holyoke, where did you go from there?
1: I graduated from Mount Holyoke in the thick of the economic crisis in 2011. And it was scary because, as I said before, I was expected to walk my way up to Wall Street and get my green card and become an American. And nothing was happening uh, towards mm-hmm. that happening, especially with my major and degree in arts. But I was fortunate enough to be hired by Apple. So I moved to New York City and I worked as a specialist on the sales floor. And it was amazing. It was amazing every day to connect with people, to provide technology solutions. But as you know, you're know, you wondering, why was she working in technology and she's supposed to be a designer? I realized, you know, that's not what I really wanted to do with myself for the rest of my life. And so I applied for a certificate program in Paris, um, which I got into, and then I moved to Paris to study, where I officially became a designer.
0: <laughs> you went to the uh, the Paris College of Art. That's right. What was it like there? Also amazing.
1: They have an amazing structure or, or strategy where you're really taught by the people in the industry. And so you have to be really wide awake to be able to connect with them and experience, you know, what's happening in the design world real time and also get the opportunities to intern or to work on projects with, you know, so many amazing people within the field, so many knowledgeable people. I mean, so that's what it was like for me. I think I made a lifelong friend who's actually from Libya. And till date, we work on so many projects together. Her name is Yasmin, and I'm going to send this to her to listen to. And we freelance together on projects. Um, we're hoping to launch our agency one day, but that was also another interesting dynamic. Experiencing what a North Africa thinks, a North African person thinks of a Sub-Saharan African person—that was a whole new world. But we have a great relationship, and we actually joke about it all the time. But yes, lifelong friendships, great networks, being in Paris, the hub of you know art, or yeah. being in Europe in general—that was that was really amazing.
0: We even did some graphic design work for Christian Louboutin.
1: Yeah, that's right. So I interned uh, six months with an amazing studio where it's really the headquarters of the window displays that go all around the world. Amazing people who are really, really smart and come up with the most amazing concepts for the brand.
0: Yeah. So you've had these, you know, kind of varied experiences going from what you were studying art at Mount Holyoke to then working in tech and then kind of going back to art and then sort of working in the fashion industry for a little bit. Mm. How do all of those experiences kind of inform you now with your design work? I
1: think the easy answer is life is unexpected. (laughs) But the hard answer is, I think design, I think for the longest time when you can say when I was younger or less mature, it was about impressing with the best looking solution, right? But all of these, especially now, has taught me to really understand the needs of people and more so more recently come up with the solutions that create systems and processes that make everybody's, everybody's lives easier. It's not about the visual impact. Yes, to some extent it is, but it's more about, you know, how those base you know, systems and processes can help people. And I think I'm saying this more because AOU is really more of a young you know, organization where um, we have the opportunity to create these things And representing my, my marketing team has taught me uh, a lot of that. So I can give a concrete example and it is creating a freelancer database. So for us, it's for as a team, it's not about saying, Hey, um, I really can't design this poster for you at this time. Like I was saying earlier, because I have to move really quickly on this other project. It's more of saying, Hey, although I can't, I have this database of people from which I can pull from and work with and are direct so I can get you you know, your complete digital campaign out there looking great and looking good. And so I've had the opportunity to set up systems like that, that have really helped teams and supported them to to make their lives easier. So I think all of that said, design is really about providing those solutions in a way that make people's lives more bearable.
0: Now, this might be a bit of a, I don't know, an overarching question here, but in your view, what do people here in the U.S., you think, what do we need to know about design in Africa?
1: Oh, it's it's been emerging. It has emerged. I mean, when I connect to my personal story where I was expected not to be who I am today, at the time, there weren't a lot of influences. My uncle, who was an architect in Ghana, I mean, was... Very successful, but then when he moved out to Canada, he had to switch professions and be a teacher because I don't know, it didn't translate well out there. And what I'm really getting at is I think there wasn't such an emergence of creativity when I was younger, and so there was no reference point for me. Having someone so close to my family going out there to succeed and then change was sort of like, oh, you know, it doesn't really work out. But there are so many examples out there now, even like entertainment and music. Even like the, the, uh, the, what have I been listening to recently? Kwetu South African music has, was representing everywhere Black Panther. I travel and I hear Ghanaian artists everywhere and, you know, out in the clubs or just around like, you hey, well, that's the guy in my country. There's just an appreciation for our music and our culture. There's so many photographers who are so inspiring, such as Nenna Kofi Aqua, who's also from Ghana. I have someone in my high school who has launched their interior design company and is doing really well. Um, so like there's so many influences everywhere you look. And I don't know, I can't really pinpoint where that started, but I'm grateful for it. Because now we have so many examples of how creativity can survive, you know, even in Africa. So like I was saying to you, Maurice, earlier, we, we need to look in and really appreciate the impact of of this we need to look in as Africans ourselves, and as non-Africans outside, we need to look for it because I bet you it's, it's here, it's alive, and it's amazing.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad that you mentioned Black Panther. We actually had a uh, we had a roundtable mm. <laughs> episode on here a while ago talking about kind of the art and design of Black Panther, and I think one of the biggest things that all of us had walked away from was that how wonderful it was to just kind of see a different representation of what Africa. Not just could be, but what Africa is, because, of course, the people that, you know, created this fictional country and this fictional environment drew from, you know, real world sources and inspirations in order to create that. And Mm -hmm. it was just so good to to see something that's different from what we've kind of all seen or experienced before when people talk about Africa or what design looks like in Africa. It tends to be, particularly in the design industry, it tends to be a fairly myopic point of view it's it's mm-hmm. uh, it's spears and shields and it's like <laughs> blocky looking fonts from jurassic park and stuff like that like it's <laughs> not showing the the breadth and the you know i think the scope of what african design can be and mm-hmm. how it differs i think you know from country to country yeah it, it could be easy to sort of lump everything in africa like all the countries in africa just lump them all together in africa mm-hmm. without looking at how each of the different i mean we don't do that with europe we, we say no, European never. design, but, like, we also know the difference between German design and Swiss design yes. and French design, you yes. know, that sort of thing. Yes. So I hope that we start to see that level of, of variegation happen with African design, where we can pinpoint right. and say this is specifically Nigerian design. I think we're starting to mm. see that a little bit, especially through fashion. I think we're starting to see A
1: that. lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. For sure. So what would you, I mean, I know we, you know, you kind of just talked about this, but in general, what would you like to see more from the design community? Not just particularly, you know, what we should know about Africa, but based on the experiences that you've had that have taken you, you know, almost, you know, around the world to where you are now, what would Mm -hmm. you like to see more of from the design community?
1: Within my own context or in general and externally? Um,
0: Within your own context, yeah. Okay,
1: I mean, although there is a boom of, you know, creative expression, I think what I'd like to see more, I think within my immediate context is an understanding of the importance of design, because as much as there's a lot of expression, I don't think that there's enough appreciation of the impact of design. And it's sort of what happens when I choose my clients outside of working at ALU education, right? It's it's really handpicking people who can really appreciate the impact or understand the purpose of, of design beyond just creating a visual solution. And, and more often than not, there are more people who think it's there to serve just a minimal purpose than not. And so I think I'd like to do my part, you know, creating that education through what I do and how I do it. And I hope that one day that would, would bring a change in the perception.
0: Yeah, I think that's something certainly I know we suffer with here Mm. in the States, it's kind of just letting people know why it's important. And I think it differs also among cultures, you know, design tends to be looked at something that's more about ornamentation than about, you know, function and utility. Did you ever have a moment, you know, as you kind of went through all of this, I think you probably uh, touched on this when you said you were in Paris, but before then, did you have a moment that you knew this was what you wanted to do for a living?
1: I think it was when I got my first It was the first and the last in my entire life. I think, yeah, that it was a reaffirmation of, like I was saying, being who you are and allowing, you know, what flows out of you effortly to just be. And that's when I knew that it was okay to be authentic, even if people expected you to be something else. I mean, that's what I knew I wanted to stand for then and there and, and, and for the rest of my
0: life. Do you have a dream project that you would love to work on? Yes.
1: I don't know what it would achieve, but it would definitely involve working with a myriad of creatives from every genre, from, I don't know, literature, like by literature, copywriting to to music, to whatever it is, to, I guess, to really to create those solutions that change lives. That's really vague, but I think, what I'd really like to get from that experience is I love to learn and I hate to be in silo for too long. And it's it's really the exchange and learning from others. That's really what I'd like to get from the project. So what the project would achieve, it could
0: be anything. So sort of like a, a creative collective of some yeah. ones, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything that you're really excited about at the moment? <laughs> Randomly, it's been Kwaito music from South Africa. Okay. Uh, I
1: didn't have an appreciation for it before. I I think I had heard of it growing up, wherever I am naturally around. And now I do because it shows another example of how something common, like commonly African or something cultural, just suddenly takes shape and form and relevance. I mean, maybe I'm seeing it differently as an adult now, but I'm really into that because it's really like an expression of, of, you know, I don't even know much about South Africa, being an African myself, um, but it's an expression of a, spe- a specific people of South Africa. And I think it's beautiful. It's the kind of music that gets me going every day. What about? I must uh, warn you, it's it's really loud.
0: It's really loud? It's called Kwaito music? <laughs> it's really music. loud.
1: Kwaito, that's
0: K-W-A-I-T-O.
1: Okay. All right. It can sound very loud and electro, but, you know, that's, that's what I'm into now.
0: I'll check it out. I remember, it's funny because we were talking about Black Panther earlier. I know that he worked with a lot of different African artists. I don't know if, if any Queto mm-hmm. music might have influenced actually, the soundtrack.
1: Actually, Beyoncé uses that in her song, uh, Who Runs the World. Okay. In the music video, she opens up dancing, and, and, and the dance is actually linked to Queto music. It's, there's actually a video running around on YouTube somewhere. That's, it's, there's you know, a split couple of seconds where she's doing it
0: that, And you can see the dance influence from that. Oh, nice. That's good to know. Yeah, I'll check that out. Definitely. What has kept you motivated and inspired through all of this? I mean, I feel like you have to have a really strong drive to pursue your creative uh, inspiration. Not just from, you know, bucking against your parents wishes and studying art, but then also having it take you to all these different places in the world to where you are now. What mm. is that motivation? What keeps you inspired? I think in,
1: in trying to find what the next step is, mostly professionally, it's kind of tempting sometimes to see what else you could be. And I think I run into a lot of situations where I'm not comfortable being something I'm not. And I think there's always points where I feel swayed not to be who I know I am. This is very high level and conceptual. So like, let me know if you need any examples. (laughs) But, you know, I sort of like get pushed back into remember this creative that you are, remember what you're really passionate about and just really stick to it. It sounds very simple in theory, but I mean, we get, we kind of lose it sometimes. And I think what's kept me going is is just remembering who I am. I can give you an example. I think I could try. There was a time when I was looking for the next step and I knew I had this background in sales. And so I, I thought, you know, maybe I could do that and just survive and, and get it, you know, earn an income and get a living. And that didn't work out. So as tough as the decision was, I was younger and I had to learn how to freelance. And, you know, like as they say, when, when you do what you love, never have to work a day in your life, you know, like freelancing with others, you know, is something that it built my experience and was able to, you know, help me to present myself to, you know, future employers and say, you know, I've actually done this. And that's what spread me on. I hope that sort of like illustrates what I was trying to say earlier. But it's, it's, it's sort of like forgetting who I, you know, I meant to be. And then that drives me back into, you know, staying on track. You can sort of like ask me any other questions to like get, give you a more concrete example. Cause no, I, I feel I that was, I, really
0: I, I think I weird. understand what you're saying. Basically, you look back at, at at where you've gone and Mm -hmm. you're like, I've gone this far. Why not, you know, sort of keep going like that inspires you knowing that you've, you've faced those challenges in the past. Right. Exactly. And I think sometimes I've
1: also been very competitive. Is that the right word? But I think when I was, you know, coming out of Mount Holyoke, the question was, you know, why do you have to be what, you know, why do you have to end up in wall Street? Like you, you don't have to like, You need to make this work to show that you can be who you want to be, that this is possible. And so there's also a drive to challenge, I guess, and to prove. And I think that's what's kept me going. Luckily, I've been right sometimes. So that's what kept (laughs) me going.
0: (laughs) Has there been any advice that has sort of stuck with you over the years? Oh, I know. So I think I I branded my parents really
1: badly earlier there. They're definitely loving, and they've given me so many opportunities, and, and have encouraged me, even though they didn't agree to my profession earlier. Um, but I remember one moment when I'd spoken to my dad about you know my decision to major in arts, and you know it was really doubtful. He's like, you know what about economics? What about sociology? Like, what are you thinking? You know what about computer science? And I was like, there's no other way to tell you this, but I'm not really jiving with that. Um, and then I spoke to my mom after afterwards, and she's like, you know what? If you want to do this, I mean, if you believe God can help you do this, then do it. And I think that stuck with me forever. It was as simple
0: as that. Just having that parental okay.
1: Yeah. Well, one was not okay, and then one was okay, and the are one they, that
0: are they, was okay.
1: <laughs> are they both okay now? They're both okay now. Yes, okay. I'm independent and not depending on their nest anymore, so they're both okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's interesting. I know, I mean, I've talked with several designers here on the show, and that tends to be Kind of an interesting sticking point, like parents often don't see art or design as being kind of a relatively lucrative profession. Yeah. I don't know if it's that notion of of being a starving artist or anything, but they look at that. and say, yes. like, Oh, how are you going to make money doing that? You know, exactly. And I think for my dad, I mean, my uncle, who's his brother
1: is now a, the one who was the architect, architect I told you about earlier. He's now a successful art, artist who does yarn paintings. Like literally he paints with yarn and that means he's gluing strands of yarn onto, onto wood. And that is amazing. Like I, I've hardly seen any you know art forms like that. But I think there've been moments in my uncle's life where it's been tough because he hasn't sold his pieces. And there's a moment where he's suddenly really rich because he's made a good sale. And so that can be definitely uncomfortable to any parents to know that there's inconsistency in this adult's life. If you choose to be an artist, but I think the resolve I have for myself is, I, I keep saying this to myself: when I, when and if I become a parent, Um if my child wants to study, I don't know, major in slaying dragons and castles, and you know, <laughs> at, at uni, as long as as long as they can make a business out of it, I'm like, I'm like, do it, you know, just just make it sell and make some money out of it. Just right. you know,
0: encourage whatever passion you take. <laughs> Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Wow, I see myself as a
1: creative director, not for the title, but for the beauty of being to encourage different visions to come together and listening to you know different visions and 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 leading and putting that together in a result that is beautiful, functional and impactful.
0: Okay, well, just to you know wrap things up here. Where can our audience find out more about you and about your work online?
1: So I have a website where I showcase most of my side hustles, if I can put it that way, my freelance projects. It's on OFO portfolio. That's quite a mouthful. So that's O-F-O and then portfolio, like a portfolio.com. I'm also on Instagram. Sometimes I publish sketches because I like to lose myself and sketch and draw in my free time. And yeah, those are the two major sources of artistic expression of your shooting and
0: what's the Instagram
1: account oh it's obobi. that's my last name so that's o f o oh it's rather underscore sorry it's o f o underscore o b u o b
0: i and I don't know I mean I don't know if oboobi is a is that a common Ghanaian last name mm, yeah it's very Ghanaian but I don't know
1: if it's common it's well, definitely
0: no, very Ghanaian. well no I was thinking of that because we had back on the blog a few months ago a uh a design podcast called in studio. And the woman mm-hmm. who posted it, her name is Sharon. Ha, ah, that's my cousin.
1: Really? Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Small world.
1: Yes. Despite wow. the hesitation, the, the creativity runs in my family. So <laughs> some people
0: need to accept it. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. That yeah. is awesome. Well, Ofla, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show and for, for sharing your story. I mean, so much I think from what I've gotten just from talking with you is that you really have this, this passion and this drive, not just to succeed, but also to educate others and to help the community to know about the value of design. And I think that drive fits in really well with the work that you're doing at ALU. I mean, I think nice. having, you know, a, an organization like that that helps change the perception of Africa through education is really, really important. You know, not just for, for black people, I think for everyone, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really, really inspired by the work you're doing. Keep it up and definitely uh, want to see more in the future. So thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. And just to add, just so you know out there that ALU is the real Wakanda. It's happening here. So <laughs> <laughs> let us know if you want to see us because we're not hidden like Wakanda. It's, it's real. All right. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Thoughts of love are in mind. and that's it for this week big thanks to Ofo Obuobi and thanks to you for listening you can find out more about Ofo and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com also thanks as always to our sponsors Facebook Design, Glitch, Google Design and MailChimp Facebook designers work on creative products that are used by over 2 billion people But what's it like actually working there? You know, everything that Facebook designs is done at scale, so design critiques, metrics, and other factors are a really huge part of how they work. Sound interesting? Then learn more about Facebook design and what they do at Facebook.com forward slash design. Glitch is the friendly community where you'll build the web app of your dreams. From games to art to music and hardware, Glitch is flexible enough to create some really powerful tools. You can even use it for work or to learn how to code. The possibilities are endless. So what will you create today? Get started at glitch.com. Whether it's defining a branding style in VR or creating a voice user interface that actually feels human, Google Design is committed to sharing the best design thinking from Google and beyond. Sign up today for great stories, events and the latest updates on material design at design.google/newsletter. Again, that's design.google forward slash newsletter. You can also follow Google Design on Facebook, Twitter, and Google. Mailchimp is the world's largest marketing automation platform. They support millions of customers from small e commerce shops to podcasts like this one uh, to big online retailers, and they support the creative community as well. You know, Mailchimp really gives you the marketing tools to be yourself on a bigger stage. Visit Mailchimp.com and sign up for a free account today. MailChimp, send better email. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre, with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. If you like this episode, then please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. First of all, it only takes a minute or two, it helps more people learn about the show here in the US and internationally. And it helps the show by bumping us up in the rankings on Apple Podcasts for Design Podcasts. I actually get an email every day that lets me know where Revision Path is ranked at like, I don't know, like a dozen or more iTunes stores in the world. So it's pretty cool to see kind of how many people are listening everywhere. And you know what? I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, if you're listening to this and you want to hear next week's episode a little early, then you should become our patron over at Patreon. Now more than ever, Revision Path needs your support to make sure that stories about black designers and creatives in our field are being told in their own words. So if you support us, if you support our mission, just go to patreon.com forward slash and pledge today. For just $5 a month, you can get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.